This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Health and Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. So for now, hey, our fearless friends, here's Lisa Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me again on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 145 countries, 220 TV, radio, terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. Once again, I'm joined by yet another phenomenal guest. My guest of this week is a brilliant man by the name of Jim Britt. So who's Jim Britt? Well, what I can tell you about Jim is that he's an internationally recognized leader and highly sought after speaker in the field of peak performance and personal empowerment training. He is author of 13 best-selling books. That's right, 13, including Cracking the Rich Code, The Power of Letting Go, Freedom, Unleashing Your Authentic Power, Do This, Get Rich for Entrepreneurs, to name only a few. His book, which is Life Story, is currently being made into a major motion picture. Jim has presented seminars throughout the world, sharing his success principles for entrepreneurs and life-enhancing realizations with thousands of audiences, totaling one and a half million people from all walks of life. Phenomenal. As an entrepreneur, Jim has started 28 successful business ventures. He has served as a success counselor to over 300 corporations worldwide. He was recently named as one of the world's top 50 speakers and top 20 success coaches. Early in Jim's speaking career, he was business partner with the late Jim Rohn for eight years, where Tony Robbins worked under Jim's direction for his first few years in the speaking business. In addition to Jim's speaking schedule, he is currently working on a business venture with Kevin Harrington from the TV show Shark Tank on a collaborative book series and PR marketing, branding, and lead generation strategy for entrepreneurs titled Cracking the Rich Code. Just amazing. Welcome to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald, my friend. How are you, Jim? Good. Thank you for having me. Well, this is such an honor and it's such a pleasure to have you here. And I think for the listening audience, I want to first start by uh, publicly thanking you and Kevin uh, for welcoming me into the fold as uh, as a contributor to Cracking the Rich Code. I'm super excited and uh, really happy that I got to fire off my chapter to you yesterday. So this is amazing. And everybody who follows me, for which I'm grateful for, knows that this is organic. It's authentic conversation uh, and unscripted. So what I'd like to start with, though, however, Jim, is when did you initially know that you had the gift of gab and that you had a true pulse for people? I don't think I ever knew it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know when I, uh, you know, growing up, it certainly wasn't a, a goal of mine to become a, a public speaker. So, Jim, when was it, if you can recall, perhaps, when you knew you had the gift of gab and that you had a true pulse for people? Well, it certainly wasn't at a young age. Um, you know, I was um, a pretty shy kid, really, uh, kind of. Uh, kind of stayed to myself, didn't talk a lot. Thought I, I had had a lot of time thinking, I believe. And I, uh, you know, I grew up picking cotton in the Midwest, and uh, you know, didn't really have any ambition to. Uh, well, I, I guess I had ambition. I had ambition to be 
a good cotton picker. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then when I, I graduated from there and worked in a gas station, I always thought that I was the best attendant that there was. And I worked in the factory and there were 9,000 employees and I was rated number one out of all of those. But I wow. didn't get paid anymore. I just always kind of would strive to, to beat myself, not anybody else, just to do better the next day, I guess. Well, let's, you said a few things there that were quite pivotal, which is beneficial for the listening audience and, and eventually the podcast subscribers. So, you know, people are motivated by different things. And, you know, when people truly fundamentally inherently believe in themselves, they're working with the principle that there isn't anything that they cannot achieve. And so even for you to have cited those two examples of picking cotton, working at a gas station, you know, regardless of what the task is at hand, where some people might think it's, you know, menial or it's redundant, you know, the, the attitude that you took going forward would get you on the trajectory of being number one in anything. So let's talk about why that is essential and, and let us know too. I, I believe that would probably be one of your success principles. Am I correct? Yeah, I would think it would be, you know, uh, being the best you can be, you know, if you really think about it, um, I, I worked with a fellow in the gas station and my, my, um, uh, my objective was to get out of there one day and work in the factory down, down the road. And, this fellow I worked with just complained all the time <laughs> and he complained about the weather. He complained about having to work too much. He complained about it's too early. It's too late. It's, it's a holiday or whatever. And I never did. I always did my best. And as a result of that, I remember uh, uh, a guy coming in one day and he asked me, he said, what are you doing working in this gas station? I said, well, it's my job. And he said, yeah, and you're really good at it too. And he says, uh, but you should be working in the factory. And, and that, you know, to me, because I was doing the best job I could uh, do, uh, he, he saw that and invited me to come and work in the factory, which, which I did, which was a, a step up from where I was. But uh, the fellow I worked with didn't get the, the invitation because he complained all the time. So I think it opens you up for more opportunities, to see more opportunities, and for more people to see you as a potential um, opportunity for them, you know, so it, it, it changes how you view the world and how the world views you, I think. Absolutely. Well, I think that's such a perfect example in which you celebrated because, or cited, sorry, because we know in day-to-day -day reality, we're all surrounded and immersed with negative energy, but it's our choice if we fundamentally wish to immerse ourselves in that or block that out, tune that out, and do the things that we know are going to propel us on the trajectory of where it is we say we want to go, which is fundamentally mindset. It's honing that mindset and it's making choices. Everything is an intentional, a deliberate choice for what kind of a day you want to have, regardless of the circumstances you might get hit with. So when we go back to what you just cited there with the guy complaining chronically at the gas station, you know, I think this is the rut gym that people fall into. It's conditional thinking. People think, oh, you know, if the weather is perfect, you know, if this person behaves the way I want them to, if this person shows up the way I'm expecting them to, then I give myself permission to have a good day. And you know, you're going to be disappointed every single day and you're going to have a succession of really crappy days because at the end of the day, it, it comes back to you making the decisions, regardless of all those external circumstances. How am I going to show up? How am I going to readjust or recalibrate my mindset to accommodate and pivot with the circumstances in front of me? So let's talk a little bit about the, the, the mind, because this, I, I really think it's, it's core belief and it's, the alignment with uh, the attitude, the approach. So let's talk about how that has played out and worked for you because you can't be as successful as what you are momentously and consistently without having done a little bit of work on that. Well, I, I figured out early on that uh, the mindset was what really determines how you show up in life. And mm. Uh, I think how I developed that, you know, I was an avid speed reader. Well, I was an avid reader, but I couldn't read very fast. And then I took a speed reading course from the fastest reader in the world, and I would consume books like crazy, uh, just trying to keep my mind in order. And um, I don't do that anymore because uh, it, it's just it's become second nature to just uh, have have the mindset. You know, I think a lot of people live in in a gray world, but we don't have a gray world. It's black and white. And uh, they they leave themselves an, an out sometimes. You know, if this happens, then then I'll I'll move forward. But if, if, if this happens, then I won't. You know, 
and and that's a gray world. You've got to make decisions and move forward with them. And it doesn't mean that all of them work out. It doesn't mean you can't change them if they're not working out. But uh, you've got to have that, that firm mindset because, you know, it determines how you show up in the world. And uh, it's like a calculator. You, know, you hit a number and it appears on the screen. And mm-hmm. the same with us in our minds, you know, with whatever we're resonating with is what we're creating, whether we like it or not. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Bingo. So let me ask you about this, because in the day and age where people are talking about meditation and light, light healers and light energy, um, and a lot of people have professed, and I, I know that there's a space for it and there's a truth to it, but in terms of people who talk about the importance or the the pivotalness of being here in, in, the, in the here and now, do you live in the here and now for your success or have you, do you live in the future? Because for you to have accomplished what you've done, and we know that's not something that happens overnight, you've got to be staunchly committed. You've got to be obsessed. You've got to be laying the groundwork and the foundation to make what you envision for the future show up. So what, is it a dual reality for you here and now, or is it just futuristic? Well, you know, you can learn from your past, uh, the mm-hmm. problem with uh, with the past sometimes is that we get programmed into certain things and we don't realize we're being programmed, either, even from a young age, uh, whether mm. it be about money or success or relationships or whatever it might be in your life. Um, but if we, if we learn from the past, that's one thing. And then uh, the present is really where the action takes place. I mean, it doesn't take place in the past. It place in the future because it hasn't happened yet but yet you have to plan for the future. So uh, when you say, do I live in the moment uh, as much as I can? I said, the, the more a person stays in the moment, uh, the more effective they're going to become. So it's, it's letting go of the things that, that don't serve you from the past and really recognizing them, becoming mindful and self-observant of, of what you're doing and what direction you're going, what this, what this, emotion where is it taking you or where's this decision taking you so that um so that you get more effective in the moment and then you plan for the future and of course what you do in the moment is going to affect the future in a big way absolutely and so if you press the rewind button on where you were once upon a time when you were starting out and really honing this path for yourself jim what would you say looking back in retrospect and from the introspective perspective would you say most surprises you about who you are in terms of the evolution of your personal growth and personal development well actually if i look back all, you know back to my a business career, my working career, whatever that was. Uh, I've been an entrepreneur most of my life. But if, when I look back at that, um, I'm, I'm just totally, uh, I don't know what you would call it, uh, surprised or uh, amazed at, at, at where I am today, <laughs> you know, because I never thought I would be doing anything like this. And it was just a, it was kind of an evolutionary process. I've never really planned that much for the future I've, I've always kind of focused on where i am and what i'm doing right now and i've been asked before what well what's your plans for the next five years and my answer is i don't know i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna keep doing <laughs> i keep doing what i'm doing and keep building what i'm building and you know they said well what happens if you if you don't get speaking engagements anymore and you can't go out and speak and i said well then i just won't go speak and that's okay with me. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just going to continue to do what I do and and let that unfold. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty amazed that that I that I've done what I've done uh, in one way. But then when I connect the docs backwards, I can kind of see how all that happened. You know, just mm-hmm. one thing led to the next. Well, you and said even so- the failures and uh, the failures I've had. Um, uh, you, you know, you see the benefit to that. I mean, my first year in business, I lost everything I owned, my home, both of my cars, all of my furniture. I had a family. I had no money. I had, I mean, I, I was five days from living on the street. And, wow. and back then that was difficult. But, you know, looking back on it, one of the best years of my life, one of the best learning experiences in my life. Uh, I bet. So, you know, uh, it, it it all it all fits together. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I've got two simultaneous thoughts. I'm going to try not to lose them. So going back to what you said originally in terms of, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't have foreseen where it is that I am today. No way could I have done that. Now, that's very key 
um, because a lot of people who would be tuned into this show, Jim, would go, oh, well, for somebody who is a staunch, uh, staunchly committed to his own journey, who obviously has taken massive action in his life, most people talk about in the space from a mentoring perspective, a coach perspective, a speaker perspective, that you have to write your goals down. So for what has what you've amassed for yourself, you're saying that none of that was birthed out of goal setting? Uh, no, it wasn't. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I love I, that. <laughs> no, and, and, I, and even today, I still don't set goals. Uh, to me, goals are the incremental steps in, in getting to the decision that you've made. So if you're going to write a book, then that's the decision. The goal is the chapter after chapter. Um, and I think so many people turn it around and they set their goals. You know, my goal is to make $100,000 in a month. You know, well, uh, did you decide to do that? Is that a firm decision or is that something pie in the sky that you put on your vision board? Or, you know, what mm -hmm. is that exactly? So mm -hmm. if it's not backed up by a firm decision, then a goal is just uh, mental gymnastics is all it is. Well, and there's a lot of truth to what you say. There's no doubt about that, because all people have to do is look back to the traditional New Year's resolutions and then how many people within two months passing the January 1st are no longer going to the gym or they're no longer eating consciously. So you're absolutely right. And a lot of people will, would preface it as not necessarily goal setting, but setting intentions, because then you're deliberate, you're intentional. And sometimes verbiage does play a role in the mindset for which we take ourselves seriously and we are are more accountable to ourselves and to other people. Um, but people would argue whether you're into writing goals or calling it setting intentions, that there is some uh, there is some imperativeness in terms of the actuality of things coming to fruition. If you do write things down, call it a daily to-do list, got to go pay the bills, got to go grocery shopping, because it also keeps us on track. We know that we can get distracted. We know that things unforeseen happen that uh, can, you know, complicate the day. Uh, but writing things down, and some people would even arguably say in writing a book, they don't just take it to their Mac anymore, their MacBook Pro. They're actually writing it out by hand using both sides of the brain, and then they're trans transcribing it onto the computer. So what do you say about writing things down as an accountability piece? Well, I, I, do, uh, I do keep a to-do list. So mm -hmm. I would guess that those are kind of my goals. Um, I mean, I decide what I'm going to do, and then, you know, I've got um, uh, that on my to-do list. I've got to record a little promo video. I've got to make a call to someone. I need to put up a Facebook ad. I need this. You know, those, those to me are my incremental steps to getting where I want to go. So, mm -hmm. yes, I do make lists uh, to keep me on track for sure. But what we now know, based on what you said, what is not on your to-do list is goals. Don't write goals. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, to, to me, I don't. You know, I don't. Okay, I'm going to do so much this year. I don't. I don't write that down because I'm going to do everything I can do. Yes. Uh, to get where I want to go. So Absolutely. That, that's just me. I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. I'm just. Oh saying no, that no, that's, no! And there is no me. right or wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is your interview, and I'm interested in picking your brain because I, I find you fascinating. Um, but in terms of for the listening audience and based on your level of expertise, Jim, for those who are really holding on to your every word and going, okay, how can I do what this guy has done? Uh, and it's, you know, it's not about piggybacking. It's not about being disingenuous and going, okay, well, I need to be a replica of Jim, but Jim's obviously honed some things that are, are really paying off for him in the real world on a daily basis. So in terms of living fearlessly, in terms of your success, um, you know, principles, what it is that you would speak to a live audience about or in a, a private session with a coaching client, what are some of the things you think would be beneficial to impart to the listening audience? And again, eventually the podcast subscribers that they could take away as some real aha moments or takeaways or breakthroughs. Well, you know, there, there's, there's multiple things I think that, um, that make up a success story and looking at my own, and, and also I interviewed 12 mega millionaires and one billionaire a few years ago, and, and they kind of had the same traits, I'd call them. Um, you know, first uh, is pretty simple. It's a desire to change and a desire to have more, and, and almost everybody has that. But the problem is that 
that desire kind of turns to wishful thinking after a while if they don't take action on it. And, of course, to take action, you've got to make a decision about what you're going to do. So it's desire, decision, and then taking action on that. And in today's world, uh, you need to step up and be bold. I mean, it wasn't mm. like it was 30 years ago. Um, I mean, you've got to put yourself in the spotlight because there's a lot of people uh, looking for that same spotlight to get in uh, today, especially with uh, social media and the Internet and, you know, all of that that, that we all have to, um, uh, to work with today. So, you know, you've got to be bold. But I think the biggest thing, uh, and the biggest thing for me, too, I believe, was um, <clears throat> being willing to endure the pain of changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, every life level, every income level, requires a different you and so for things to change you have to make changes and and I knew that uh kind of inherently knew that I had I had to make changes and it was painful Mm -hmm. I mean when I went out my first year uh I was in a, a direct sales company and they told me that you need to go talk to people and and I said, well, and he said, if you talk a little, you earn a little. If you talk a lot, you earn a lot. I'm going, well, what's a little? <laughs> he, said, he said, two a day. I said, what's a lot? And he said, 10 a day. I said, I'm going for the 10. Yeah. Now, I'd never talked to people in my life, I mean, other than the people that worked in the factory or a few in the gas station. So um, I didn't know how to go talk to 10 people. Was it uncomfortable? It was painful. It was scary to talk to a stranger. But you know what? I did it every single day for a year. And the way I tracked it back then is I put 10 beans in my pocket. And every time I talked to somebody, I flipped a bean away. Hmm. And that way I knew when all the 10 beans were gone, I could go home. Love and that's that. what I did for a year. And that's 3,650 people minimum that first year. And I got 3,650 no's. So... Mm-hmm. People ask me if I could handle rejection. I'm going, I eat it for breakfast every morning. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Will I go talk to a stranger? Anybody. You know, so, uh, but, but, you know, you've got to be willing to uh, look at the pain that it's going to cause you to have what you want in your life. And are you willing to confront that pain and move forward? Or are you going to live in that gray world and sink back into your comfort zone and uh, do what do what you've been doing, which is not going to take you to the next level. Well, so, that's right. That's, that's right. There's mm-hmm. that. I mean, to me, that's that's really the, the critical thing, because we always weigh out those pains. You know, whether we're going to go buy a new car, we go, OK, well, hey, I want a new BMW. I'm going to go lease one. OK, well, what's the payment going to be? Oh, fifteen hundred a month. Mm, that's a little painful. So they're going to, you know, they're going to weigh that out. It doesn't matter what it is. We always weigh it out and Mm -hmm. say, you know, the pain of changing, is it worth it? So, Mm -hmm. well, and, and that's a very crucial point and that hits home for the difference between people who step into the pain, embrace it to the point where it just becomes a honed muscle. Uh, It's no longer pain. You know, it's when you choose to level up and then things become a little bit more excruciating as they had once upon a time before. All you have to do is look at the domino effect and the established pattern that you've created for yourself to know, okay, well, this is how I felt like 10 steps ago. This is how I felt a decade ago. This is how I felt last week. And here I am. I'm, I'm faced with new possibilities, new challenges. But if I step into this, I'm going to thank myself later. And we all do. Like, mm-hmm. that's the thing. We all do. Uh, and this is where I think people become, unfortunately, immobilized by fear. But it's the same people as you've identified within that gray spot of the conversation is cyclical every single day. This sucks. This is crappy. You know, I'm not happy with this. I'm broke. I'm blah, blah, blah. But, you know, there's no coincidence to the way you think and the results that show up in your daily life. There's a correlation and people don't want to acknowledge that because that means by doing so, you've got to own some stuff you got to put yourself under the microscope and you've got to go no more. I've got to, you know, this is on me to change. This is my responsibility. Uh, no doubt about it. And, um, you know, I would encourage anybody listening here that is struggling in any way to, to take a look at your last five years and just ask yourself, have I truly made progress? Mm. Uh, am I where I thought I would be today five years ago? 
And mm-hmm. if not, the question is, why not? Mm-hmm. And what are you going to do to make the change? And, you know, you can, we all accomplish things and, and we look back and see things that we've done. Maybe it's, we've increased our income from 40000 a year to 50000 a year to 60000 a year. And, and our mindset goes with that. So once we've made 60000 we're not going to go back to forty. We're going to want to go to seventy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can do it fast or slow. It just depends on how much pain you're willing to endure to do it quickly instead of doing it the slow method. Uh, so, um, but it, it, it does boil down to taking uh, self-responsibility. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Nobody else is going to do it for you. <laughs> that's for sure. Well, that's very true. I can attest to that. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, as I mean, can you. You'll have supporters along the way, but uh, but nobody's going to do it for you. I mean, I tried that, and, and it didn't work. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and, and the other thing is, too, look at who your supporters are, because, you know, the Debbie Downers or the naysayers or the people who everything in, in life sucks, who is it that they're going to hang out with? They're going to hang out with the same negative, low-vibing people, uh, and there's going to be no catalyst for change there. That's your comfort zone, and your comfort zone is counterintuitive, and it's refueling the same story. You keep regurgitating to everybody and over and over again. And what does that spell out? Victimology. Victimology, right? And who wants right. to get behind a victim? I want to get behind the warriors. I want to get behind the winners. <laughs> It's absolutely true. I mean, uh, we all we all put out a signal. <clears throat> you know, we're energy kind of energy units, and you can mm-hmm. feel people's vibration, their their energy, and uh, people want to hang out with. I mean, you got you got you kind of got like uh, uh, takers and <clears throat> what would you call it? I guess uh, somebody that will suck your energy. And, oh, and I call them energy vampires. Energy vampires <laughs> or oxygen thieves. One of the two. <laughs> Yeah, you you'll have that, and and uh, and you want to get away from them, yeah. And then you'll have people that uh, that that feed you energy that that you love being around. So in a sense, you become like a little bit of a vampire too. But if you can find people that you're 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 connected with in some way, um, and support each other, that's that's incredible. Because well, I think every mental level finds people to support them. You know, whether they're depressed mm-hmm. or whatever, they're going to look around to find people to support them. And then you've got the the opposites that attract, and that's the people who are uh, desperately needing approval and mm-hmm. the ones that desperately need control. So they get to control the approval person, and the approval person gets control, so they get recognition, and that becomes <laughs> a whole mess. You know? It's a train wreck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's called an abusive relationship is what it's called. Right. And it's in one way, it's a perfect match, yes. but it never works. You know? Right, right. Well, and there's no there's no coincidence to alignment. You know, whatever. And you you said this, and I say this quite often, and I I, I subscribe to this wholeheartedly, Jim. Is you know when we everybody, I don't care what anybody's circumstances are, you're still ultimately faced with a choice. What you put your attention on grows stronger. So if you choose to be vibing at a high level. There's no coincidence that you are going to attract. You're going to be that attractor factor energetically. People are going to respond to the frequency in which you're emitting, and they're going to go, okay, that person needs to be part of my tribe. And conversely, if it's somebody who is down in the trenches but absolutely loves being in the trenches and really doesn't want to be solution-focused, really doesn't want you in their corner to offer solutions, uh, they just want to have somebody who's going to reinforce their story, their reel of what they keep feeding themselves and, and hence feeding you over and over again. And then who are you attracting when that's the energy you're setting, sending out? More people who are like-minded. Like-minded can work for the negative and conversely, it can work for the positive. So be careful what people are asking for. Be careful what you are asking for. Yeah, you know, uh, speaking of the the energy and how we how we influence others. Many years ago, I picked up a fellow at the airport, came in from South Africa for an event that we were doing. And we had about four or 500 people in the, in the event. And, uh, and they're all facing the front of the room. Well, first of all, when he walked into the hotel, it's like the whole hotel staff almost like surrounded this guy. It was just the weirdest thing. They want to bend over backwards to help him and just, I mean, he had a little problem checking in, and they're they're all 
you know, trying to help him. And the guy just had such energy that you wanted to just hang out with him. Mm-hmm. And then when we opened the doors to walk into the back of the room, I swear that two-thirds of the people in the room turned around and looked. And, I mean, he, but we didn't walk in with any noise. We just opened the door and walked in, and it's like everybody's facing back. I'm going, wow. Mm. And I, it just made me realize, you know, and I watched this guy for two days, and, and everywhere he would go, there was just a crowd of people around him. It was, it was amazing, really. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, again, no coincidence to that having been the outcome for him or for anybody else who got to be on the path of him and be in the presence of him. Uh, again, this is a choice we get to make every single day, and it's never too late to start over to say, okay, that's no longer working for me. That's no longer serving me. Time to implement to change. So let's just quickly delve into your partnership once upon a time with the legendary Jim Rohn and the fact that you also were very pivotal in Tony Robbins' journey. So what could you share with us? Because everybody knows a lot of things about those two people. They're very iconic. Um, But for you, having had the intimate kinship, uh, personal relationship, synergistic relationship that you did with them, what could you share with us about your experience with both of them that might surprise the general population, Jim? Well, you know, Jim Marone, I met Jim um, in about 1970, and he was he was involved in the first company that I got involved with, my first entrepreneurial venture. He was a trainer, and um, he traveled all over the country, and everywhere that he would go within five or six states of where I lived, I was there, even mm-hmm. though, though it was the same seminar every time. And to the, finally to the point where he, he asked me, he said, where in the heck do you live anyway? He said, you're everywhere <laughs> I am. And uh, we became friends after that. And, uh, and then we kind of lost touch uh, at one point. I moved, left uh, Oklahoma, moved to Arizona. Uh, I knew he had moved to California. And then I walked into some coffee shop one morning and to have breakfast, and there sat Jim Rome. And it's been wow. about two years. So. We sat down and had a conversation. He said, why don't you join me in business? And, and I did. We ended up uh, business partners in the, in the seminar business, um, and I ended up moving to, to California. And, and uh, we just uh, became good friends and, uh, up until the day he passed away. And uh, Jim was an <clears throat> interesting guy. You know, one side of him, he was uh, profound in his ability to influence uh, people in and both in his seminars and one-on-one, but it, on the other side of him, he was just, um, you know, a farm boy from Idaho, and mm. uh, just uh, kind of a normal, normal guy. But he had some uh, unusual talents that um, uh, to be able to influence people. And I think Jim, probably more than anything, was a great storyteller. Yes. Uh, but just, uh, just a great guy, a great guy to be around, and we'd laugh and you know have fun and and. Um, toast a glass of wine now and then and it was just um he was just a great guy beautiful and, and tony robbins by a lot of people <laughs> oh right and i'm sure you would be top of the list there so um yeah and what is one of your most memorable moments of him outside of how you initially met with one another in the inception of that journey you know in terms of what he brought to your life that nobody else that you've crossed paths with has that would be signature and unique to him what do you miss the most about him um, you know, I probably missed the most about just being able to pick up the phone and make a call to yeah. him or chat. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, you know, just kind of everyday things. Uh, one of the, <clears throat> one of the, uh, memorable moments I had, mm-hmm. we were, uh, at a leadership seminar at a, a ranch up in North and, um, and we were staying in, in, in like the, uh, I guess you call it the bunkhouse or the, uh, the, the house on on the ranch it had a big lot well but we were at the house and and jim came out of the bedroom and i'm in the living room having a glass of wine he came out of the bedroom and walked down the hallway in his underwear and <laughs> and walks in and sits down in his underwear and uh and i'm going wow he just like me <laughs> so it was just it was kind of a <laughs> Kind of an odd moment because I'd I'd always kind of uh, always looked up to him, but mm-hmm. but at the same time that kind of brought him down to to my level, so to speak. So it was uh, I'll never forget that it was it was a very moving moment. But 
Well, it would be because that humanizes and reinforces the fact that apart from all of his success and accolades and and how he would be recognized on the international stage, you know, he's just, you know, he likes his own space. He likes to relax. He likes to kick back. And and so now I got a visual of the two gyms doing that in their their gits. (laughs) Well, you know, and people ask me who was my mentor. And I think when Jim and I were together, um, I never really thought of him as a mentor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe we were both each other's mentors in some way. I mean, I, I kind of, through the through the live events and things, he wasn't very uh, well known at the time. And, mm-hmm. and, and through the live events that I promoted and put together, he became very well known. I mean, we couldn't go anywhere in California without being noticed you know mm-hmm. he was, mm-hmm. we, we just had you know thousands and thousands we had almost a million people going to our events over about crazy a period. So, crazy um so it, it, but now i look back and i remember asking jim one time what it takes to be a good speaker because mm-hmm. i i at one point i decided i want to be a i want to go ahead and move forward and and learn to speak even though it terrified me mm-hmm. and um he said well uh, first of all, he said, speak about something you're passionate about mm-hmm. and study that and get good at it and get, uh, you'll build your confidence in what you're talking about. He said, and secondly, become a good storyteller. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, gather stories wherever you go, gather stories and become a good storyteller. Because he said, if you tell a story and make a point, people will remember the point because they remember the story. Mm-hmm. And, and he was a great storyteller. And and I guess I took that to heart because today I'm referred to as a great storyteller. So yes, you are. I like to I like to tell stories, and uh, you know, in fact, I just uh, I just published a book, uh, what I've learned from my six sons, which is just a, a book full of stories, and in, in mm-hmm. a lot of ways about about them and what I've learned from them. Uh, Beautiful. So, yeah. Beautiful. And what would you say about Tony Robbins? Well, Tony, when uh, when he first came to us, uh, I'll never forget. He, you know, he was 17, I think, at the time, uh, six foot seven, just a a big kid, mm-hmm. um, not well dressed, kind of, you know, I, I don't know, just <laughs> awkward, kind of bent over and not well dressed, and and but yet he had this look in his eye and this uh, this thing about him that he 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 was determined. Mm-hmm. And we turned him down the first time that he um, uh, that he uh, applied because he was only 17. I said, we can't have a 17-year-old working for us. And so he came back uh, on his 18th birthday. Wow. And, and I remember uh, I, I said, well, in order for you to work for us, you've got to go through all of our programs. And mm-hmm. he said, well, how much is that going to cost me? And I said, $1,080. And that mm-hmm. was quite a bit of money back then. Yeah. He said, well, I don't have that much money. I said, well, come back when you do. And he came back the next morning and laid the cash on my desk. <laughs> and <laughs> I said, where did you get this? He said, at the bank. I convinced the banker to loan it to me. So I knew then he had some sales ability because I'm thinking there's no bank in the world that's going to loan you $1,000 on your signature. <laughs> and so he went to work for us and went through some training classes that I uh, uh, I had for all of our salespeople. And the first month, about 300 salespeople. In the first month, Tony was number one. Wow. Uh, and, he, you know, he was rough, but yet he had that, had that ability to stand up and move a room. Mm. And that just got better and better and better. And, of course... Tony got some breaks as after we all kind of went our own direction. Tony got some breaks with his infomercial and things like that that really put him on the map, and, mm-hmm. and he's, uh, he's done incredible. Fantastic. Fantastic. And so when we talk about leadership and when we talk about the people that you've immersed yourself with, and we cited two here in this interview, so Jim Rohn and Tony Robbins, but knowing that you've been surrounded, this is your tribe, this is your elk, these are the types of people that you know you want to have your name attached to and vice versa. When we talk about the culture of leadership, when we look at the people who embody uh, the so-called title of leadership. Some people, they personify that authentically inside and out. There's other people who occupy the space, but 
aren't really uh, transparent, aren't really congruent with words matching action. Um, when you look at the iconic people, like the two we've just mentioned, like yourself, like the Oprah Winfrey's, and the list is, is endless, what do you think they all, and you being, of course, in this category, what do you all share in common? What is the common denominator for core ingredient that makes all these people, including yourself, aspire to the levels that you continuously do? Well, I, I, think, I think the levels that each of us achieve is based upon how much space we take up. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you look at somebody like Oprah or Steven Spielberg or, you know, somebody like that, they've taken up a lot of space in the world. Yeah. And like Tony, uh, you know, there's, you can hardly mention his name to, to anybody and, and they know who he is. Mm -hmm. So he, he takes up a lot of space in the world. Um, but I think, you, you know, you've got to have that. Oh, it's a com it's a combination. I think of, willpower and and the ability to to let go mm. of, of the things that hold you back and mm -hmm. having the willpower to just continue to move forward no matter what and, and i saw i saw tony go through things as as we uh, you know he went on his own way after about four or five years and um and i saw him struggle but i mm -hmm. i saw him not not back down he just kept moving forward and kept moving forward and I saw him buy a castle in San Diego when he didn't have any money. He didn't have a dime. <laughs> it was like 40000 a month he had to pay for this thing. And, um, <laughs> and, I, and I knew he didn't have any money. I mean, I went to the castle, and, and he didn't have any furniture in it. He had a bed. Right. That was it. <laughs> but yet he just kept moving forward. Uh, so it's, it's, that, it's that determination, that tenacity, that... Uh, ability to let go of your failures along the way and not let those uh, sidetrack you. Um, so that would be what I would suggest for people is just uh, be so determined that, <clears throat> that you're going to do what you're going to do, that the, the time, fate, and circumstances all show up at the same time helping you get where you want to go. Absolutely. And I love that example because that really speaks to the fairness of his spirit. That really talks about the inherent fundamental core belief he must have had in himself because some I mean truly that is being comfortable with being uncomfortable when you're getting in over your head and you're taking on something financially that you know that that then forces you to have to level up but when you I mean but for him to have embarked upon that and I imagine this is with every other aspect everything he endeavors to do it's like okay you know it's like what they say there's this uh meme that goes around on Facebook or whatnot. And it's like entrepreneurs, it's like, you know, you jump off the cliff and then you build the parachute on the way down. You figure it out in the throes of what you need to figure it out for, because you've already signed up for something. It's an accountability piece. And it's also a way of, of reaffirming and reestablishing for yourself to what degree you'll go to the wall for yourself. Because if you don't go to the wall for yourself, how you know you're going to have a very difficult time getting buy-in from other people, whether it be for your product, whether it be for your speaking engagement, whether it be for your book. If people think that you're you know kind of loosey goosey, or people can sense your trepidation or your uncertainty of self, people are going to go, well, you know what, this person's talking about leadership, but they don't really carry themselves, nor are they speaking in such a way that's with conviction or convincing me that you know, they're the guru or they're the expert or, or, you know, I should be buying into what they say. I could learn from this person potentially. So, you know, you do have to walk your talk. And I love that example because he clearly saw something for himself and saw what he was all about. He just made it work. Love it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it really is back to that, that mindset because uh, when you have that, it, it, you really do show up differently. Uh, yes. And people people feel that and they, they want to be a part of it. It's just like if, if, if I'm going to, if I was going to fund a project that somebody needed to raise capital for, um, yeah, I'd look at the product and, and that, but the number one thing I would look at is the person behind it. Because mm -hmm. you can have the best product in the world, the best idea in the world. And you can, if you don't have somebody behind it that knows what they're doing and that has that mindset, it's probably not going to go anywhere. So Absolutely. That's, that's the number one thing to look at. And that's what people, even if they don't consciously do it, they feel it. And, Absolutely. And they, it's almost irresistible that they want to be a part of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely.
Well, you know, and again, it's really talking about, and I say this quite often, and in fact, it's cited in the chapter of our book, and I want to get into that, Cracking the Rich Code. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm a staunch believer, be your own hero, be your own shero, be your own leader, be your own best friend. Because if you can't be good with you, I don't care what surrounds you externally. If you're not good within yourself, in your mind, in your thought process, your verbiage, how you dialogue with yourself, uh, you know, then I think it's just superficially you're being carried in this world. You've got to learn how to carry yourself. You've got to learn how to own the space. And when we go back to what you said earlier a couple different times throughout the course of this interview, Jim, you know, why aren't people taking advantage of dominating the space? And I work about I work through this with some of my mentoring clients. It's like, oh, well, people are going to think I'm narcissistic. People are going to think I'm egoic. People are going to think that I, I think I'm too big for my britches or whatever the case may be. And it's like, good, let them think that. <laughs> Let them think that, you know, you need to own the space. And yet the contradictory thing that makes no sense to me, which is counterintuitive, is these are the same people who like the Tony Robbins and like the Jim Brits and the Oprah Winfrey's. These people resonate with them uh, and know that they're massive influencers on the international scale. And it's not coming from a place of, well, you know what? I think Oprah played too big of a game. I don't think she should have thought she should have had her own magazine or her own network or all those books or, you know, all those guests on her show. Like, who is she to think that? No, she was the attractor factor. And somehow there's a disconnect that breaks down from other people's successes to other people uh, on the outside world who are starting off at a smaller level, building themselves up, thinking that they too, that it's their birthright to aspire to get to that level. It becomes this us and them dichotomy. It's like people, you know, can applaud and appreciate what other people have done for themselves. But the minute you say you've got to start incorporating this into your own DNA and, and how you strategically market yourself and cross promote yourself, people are like, all of a sudden, it's like they're in the fetal position. I don't get it. <laughs> well, you know, uh, learning from other people, too, is is uh, critical. I think if you if, if you want to do a certain thing, if you can find somebody that's done it. And you can learn from them. And so many people, I think, are afraid to approach successful people. And mm -hmm. and I've never been like that. I I built my career that way. Uh, when I if I'm speaking at an event or if I'm at the event not speaking many years ago, and if uh, Zig Ziglar was on stage, I made it a point that I was going to meet him backstage, no matter Absolutely. what it took for me to get backstage. And and I I became friends with a, a lot of people and did did events with them as a result of that. But mm -hmm. it's like um, um, I remember uh, I wanted to interview this billionaire uh, years ago, and I called his office and uh, his receptionist answered and I said uh, I need I need to talk to Bill. She says um, who's calling? I said Jim Britt. And he, she said what's it in reference to? Uh, no, will he know who you are? And I said he will when I get on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and she said, what's it in reference to? I said, just tell him I'm going to greatly enhance his financial career. To give me a call back as soon as he Love can. it. And she, and she had told me he had stepped out for five minutes. He'll be right back. Well, five minutes, my phone rang, and he called. <laughs> <laughs> and we became best of friends. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I asked him when when I was interviewing him, I said, why did you um, – why did you uh, – uh, you know, decide to do the interview with me. He said, well, two things. He said, I liked your approach mm -hmm. and you ask, mm -hmm. <laughs> you said you ask. And he said, most people wouldn't ask. Right. So, well, uh, and it's true. You know, if you don't ask, the answer is always going to be no. So you may as well ask. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And I, yeah. and, 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 you know, I, this is where I get a little bit obsessive and I, I think any true entrepreneur has to have that inherent obsessive gene. Um, you have to be fiercely relentless. You know, a lot of people cower when they get their first rejection or uh, or they sit in the abyss of not even being acknowledged. I mean, you know, when I went after Deepak Chopra as my first big top tier person on radio, I mean, that, that sat for two years, but it didn't sit on my end. I just kept hounding these people. I hounded them and I think they just wanted me off their back. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, there's part of that aspect too. And I think they think, okay, well, you know what, this person's 
obviously vigilant. This person obviously believes in themselves. This person obviously thinks that Deepak needs to be on this particular person's show. So let's just do it. You know, if she's going to religiously keep calling back and leave all these messages in these inboxes. Uh, she's not going to go away. So let's just remedy this now. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. But um <laughs> Being cognizant of time, Jim, you know, I want to give you the opportunity for the listening audience. And again, uh, eventually the podcast subscribers, once this calibrates and it's uploaded on iHeart and Spotify and all over the place, uh, where can people connect with you? Where can people get a consultation from you? Where can people buy your books or what's coming up on the calendar where people can go, okay, I want to go see him speak? Because again, this is global. This is 145 countries. Well, uh, my website, jimbritt.com, uh, is, uh, is a place to go for any of my programs, books, uh, audio series, uh, any events and things like that will be listed there, jimbritt.com, and it's B-R-I-T-T, Jim Britt. Mm-hmm. And, um, and with uh, the project I'm doing with Kevin Harrington that you have uh, uh, contributed to Chapter 2, which, by the way, your chapter is great. I oh, thank you. That. Great great uh, addition, so I recommend everybody pick up that book and read it for sure. Um, Thank you. And uh, this, uh, the, bo- the book series is a collaborative book series called Cracking the Rich Code, and we bring 20 co-authors into each book, and they're all entrepreneurs, so it's, it's designed for entrepreneurs, and the readers will m- most likely be entrepreneurs or aspiring uh, to become one. Um, and... Um, you know, you get you get a three thousand word chapter in the book. You get your picture, your bio, your contact info. So it becomes like a, a PR, marketing, branding, a lead generation, and we provide a lot of things online as well as far as uh, branding and and lead generation for the entrepreneurs. So that's our objective: is to really help to excel entrepreneurs to to the to the next level, whether they be uh, you know up and coming with a business that they've started or uh, you know, midway through or somebody that's super successful, we have a combination of all of them within the book. We already filled up book one. We were almost full with book two and, um, and, and about 25% with book three. So it's going along really, really well. So if anybody out there is listening uh, that would like to um, uh, possibly become a co-author with us and mm-hmm. co-brand with us, uh, go to BritVenture.com. That's BritVenture.com. Beautiful. And have you and Kevin uh, decided upon whether there's going to be an expiry or a ceiling or a cap for how often this goes along? Like uh, to what numbers are going to be cracking the rich code number, whatever? Well, I don't I don't see it ending. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think one of the the great benefits of of this is the collaborative efforts between the co-authors. Uh, as I, I did another book series like this with 16 volumes in it so far uh, for coaches and speakers, and it it just the collaboration is really was the key I think to everything. But we're providing a lot more in addition, but but yet being able to uh, learn from and and do business with in, in some cases and uh, share ideas and leads and things like that, and uh, it it becomes a uh, a collaboration, not a competition. Um, Very true. And we've just got some great people. You know, we've got like the Entrepreneur of the Year by Merle Lynch and Ernst and Young. We've got uh, a fellow that writes blogs for Amazon. We've got people like you, Lisa, in the book, and uh, just um, a lot of great people that with some great uh, ideas and stories and ways that they've become successful as entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Well, thanks to you. I've got uh, Kevin Harrington coming up on radio as well, joining me for an interview with the uh, loyal global listeners and the podcast subscribers. What do you what stands out about him? You know, aside from all his accolades, like what is it about him that you like partnering with and co-creating with? You know, Kevin's just uh, he's a really great guy and um, uh, very, very bright when it mm-hmm. when it comes to entrepreneurship and being able to kind of sift through things quickly and and look at things from a uh, from the right angle and and come up with the answers to whether this is a valid product or valid opportunity. Um, I think he's he's done enough of that that uh, I think he's taken over 500 products to market. So he's got kind of got that that uh, skill set that. That a lot of people don't have, and I think I think that's uh, that's part of it. Um, uh, you know, he made a comment one time. He said, "You know, you and I work really well together because he's he's more all business 
and mm-hmm. and I'm more uh, not on, not that I'm not business, but I'm more on the 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 mindset side of entrepreneurship because I find when people want to go to that next level, mm-hmm. uh, oftentimes it's something that's stopping them mentally. It's not yes. it's not anything else. Uh, so I think we work uh, really well together from from that point of view. Fantastic. And so when you look at all the people who embody and occupy the space of, of personal leadership, personal development, uh, the speakers on the stage, who really stands out as, I mean, there's a lot of people and it would be a hard answer perhaps to discern who w- in your mind would be the number one, but who do you think has mastered this? Who do you think is like, could do this in their sleep? Um, but, but, you know, hit it out of the park each and every time. Who do you, when you think of world-class speakers, who initially comes to mind? Uh, well, me. Of course you. That was a given. I didn't even have to preface that. <laughs> well, you know, I never really thought about that. I mean, of course, uh, Tony uh, has such a huge reach out there, and, and um, so he would certainly be one that's, uh, that's mastered it. And, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I have other friends out there that's the, in different categories of business, you know, from – Dr. Dennis Waitley to, you know, past people that, that, uh, that I've worked with, uh, from Earl Nightingale to Og Mandino and a bunch of the greats from the past. But currently, um, yeah, I would say Tony, uh, also, um, my friend Mark Usick, uh, is, mm-hmm. is really great. He's out there, you know, uh, three or four, five times a month, uh, doing events all over the country, all over the world, actually. Um, and, Gosh, I, I I don't know. It was a good question. I, I can't. No, no, nobody's coming to mind. Okay. Well, you feel free to say Lisa McDonald. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I have not heard you speak out there, but uh, I'm sure you're you're, you're uh, incredible. Right. Well, I'm just I'm joking, but not joking. Um, <laughs> But being cognizant of time, once again, I, I'd like to give you the opportunity as we're rolling out the show here uh, before we part ways, Jim. Where can people reach you again? Where can people uh, connect with you? Where can people interface with you, whether it be in the realm of business partnership and collaboration, whether it be becoming a contributing author to X amount of versions of Cracking the Rich Code? Uh, how can people connect with you? Well, through jimbritt.com. Uh, you can mm-hmm. email me through there as well, but go to jimbritt, B-R-I-T-T dot com. Or if you want uh, info, we've got a whole website set up for the uh, Cracking the Rich Code uh, book series that Kevin Harrington and I are doing, and that's at brittventure.com. Fantastic. And as we're getting ready to say cheerio here for the benefit of the listening audience, what would you hope out of all that's been said, because there's been a wealth of yumminess uh, condensed and, and packed in a short period of time, what are you hoping people walk away from as really sticking out in terms of getting themselves off the fence in life and, and taking those risks? What, what are you hoping from all that you shared with us and imparted that they walk away from and impresses upon them the most? Well, I, I think, you know, deciding what you want in your life is the most important thing because time ruthlessly passes us by. As you yes. get older, you realize that. And um, you're not going to live forever, so you've got to get the best out of it that you can. So decide what you want in your life and then have the willpower and the tenacity to move forward and realize that every action you take from this point forward, once you've decided what you want, every action you take is going to move you toward that or away from it. And if you take responsibility for that and and decide to let go of the things that's not going to move you toward what you want and let go letting go is not hard. Um, Mm -hmm. It's easy. It's like if I got a book in my hand, that doesn't mean I got to carry that book with me for the rest of my life. Uh, I can lay it down. And in any old habit you have that's keeping you away from what you want, you can lay it down. You can let it go and move forward. So that's what I'd like for people to take away and, and, and take the fast approach, not the slow one. Yes. Beautiful. Thank you. Jim, it's been a true honor, a true privilege. And I'm really grateful for you and Kevin welcoming me into the fold. It's on truly honored to be a part of this book. You're doing great work. And for all the ways you continuously pay it forward and are of service to other people for the collective, I just want to say thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate what you do. Uh, And I think you're a phenomenal person down to earth. I really like that about people, regardless of their acclaim and their successes, you can still relate to them. You're very relatable. I resonate with you and I just think you're phenomenal. So thank you very much. 
Yes, thank you. And for the listening audience, I want to thank you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to us live here on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Again, listenership spans to 145 countries, 220 TV, radio, terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. Very clear on my purpose. My purpose is to uplift you to fear less and to live more. Until next Friday, I want to wish you a safe, wonderful, lovely weekend. Love and gratitude. Take care. All my best. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Jim. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout-out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Helton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. And until next week, our fearless friends, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio telling you to be your own hero. Be your own hero, be your own leader, and be your own best friend. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.